Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. One of the better rejoins that we've had, I believe. Shout out to Jerry. Fantastic. Let's go, Jerry. With the music of the ABC with the call. ABC, one, it wasn't two, three. actually that simple, but go ahead. It wasn't that simple? I don't think what so. What the Bucks did with the Nets? Mm-hmm. Right. As Steve Nash said after games one and games two, this is make or miss. There was a lot of miss. Clank, clank. In game three. But the Bucks hold on. They survive. So now at least they're in the series. But are they really in the series after watching them play? In, even though they won, you know what I'm saying. You're big on the eye test all the time, Key. Did no, the Bucks pass the eye test in game three going, okay, that's the Bucks we no, know? No. Nah. Right. No, not, not at all. Nope. Because they can't depend on Kyrie shoot, shooting the way he was shooting or Kevin Durant at the beginning of the game. They can't depend on that again. When you get 79% from, from your main guys of your scoring, that's not going to be good enough. The other, the other people have got to show up. And I think, you know, in this situation, you have the momentum kind of for that game because of the fans. And sure. So Urgency. The great, urgency. Great energy at the start of the game because the building, it was the biggest crowd they've had in Milwaukee. Electric. And, that build, and they, they rode that. You know, they, they, it was third, what was it, 32-11 in the first quarter. At one point, I think it was 30-9. to uh, And they, they rode that. But the second quarter turned around 19-3. Next thing you know, it's a game again. Now, you mentioned, you know, the, 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 the 86% of the points. Uh, I'm sorry, 79% 76. of the points. So – Chris Middleton went for 35. Giannis went for 33, so 68 of the 86 points. Uh, it's They all got it done, but no one else did. And on the net side of things, you know, KD went for 30. I have to question a couple of the side outs late in the game. They were up 83-80, and you give credit to Drew Holiday, who didn't have a great game but had a beautiful move to take yeah. the lead. Uh, and then the Nets had chances to win, and their possessions were brutal. Just bad possessions on the last couple of plays that you might want to credit the Bucks for their defense, but for the Nets, it just wasn't good execution. It wasn't a good game offensively for them either. When do you see that team not get to 90, let alone 115, which they normally would get to? Yeah, you know, when you dig into the box score, when you think about the course of the game yesterday, Kyrie obviously stands out in terms of not having as efficient a night that he had mm-hmm. in the first two games, but really, in terms of productivity, the Nets didn't get what we've seen through this series, period, in, in general. I mean, Joe Harris is still struggling. Blake Griffin had only five in this ballgame, got into some early um, foul challenges. So uh, credit the Bucks for capitalizing on a less than typical performance from the Nets. But all around, like, even for all of the energy that they started the game with, it was a ballgame by the second quarter. Yeah, but that by that, time, yeah. that was kind of like a fictitious, false kind of energy right that's so strong key fictitious it just wasn't i I, like alice said i'm watching it yeah i knew that eventually the nets would get their act together and catch up and close the gap because the bucks didn't it wasn't it wasn't like so dominant that she was like, oh, God, they just – they up by 30. Oh, but can anybody do that to the Nets? Like, no, we're still because talking about their, the their Nets, firepower though. is That's so strong. That's what I'm saying. Like you heard so, – so we had our, the, the Wired segments on the ESPN mm-hmm. broadcast, right? And, and so uh, Blake Griffin was, was one who was mic'd up yep. for the Nets. And they, they had that one part early in the game where the, it felt like an overwhelming avalanche of offense from the Bucks and dunks by Giannis and you know, threes by Middleton. And you're like, oh, wow, this is, seems insurmountable. 
and he's just having a conversation on the sideline, like, hey. have a hit, yeah. Yeah, we haven't made a shot yet. Once we yeah. make shots, we'll be fine. We're good. We're fine. And that was the attitude that even I had. Like, I agree with him. I was watching the game going, yeah, the Nets will get back in this so, game. There's no problem. So, my thing with you in terms of calling this energy fraudulent is I don't think – I think it was very much legit in terms of that's what you need to do and figure out a way to maintain versus this Nets squad because the Nets are never out of a ball game. No, they're not, but – the, the the fact that you got this energy, you you you're not running away with it. They never ran away with it. The the big gap was only in the first quarter. That was it. Yeah. They never. You know, if it was sustained throughout the course of the game, then I'll be like, okay, they feel. Milwaukee scored it, fifteen points in the second quarter, twenty two in the third, and nineteen in the fourth. They had nothing going after nothing. that first quarter. Nothing. After a 30-point So imagine if they didn't have this fictitious energy to start, is all I'm saying. Like, you have to. But that energy, when I I say, auntie, when I say (laughs) fictitious energy. I'm not not over 35. I have an issue with auntie, but go ahead. Well, you got a cardigan going. Like, it's. Listen, this is. Lean lean into the side. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, (laughs) you could tell that that didn't have the Nets spooked. If the Nets was playing a team that, let's just call it, duplicate themselves in that what they had that run like that, I could see where the Nets would be like, oh, we're in trouble. If they mm-hmm. was playing a team that can do that to them, they never, ever backed down. Yeah, they weren't shook. They were not shook yeah. at all. So the screaming and the hollering after the dunk and all, that's like, man, come on, man, stop. We Don't, got three no! more quarters. No, I, we all agree that the Nets are – Filled with firepower, never back down. But to me, think about how crazy. But wait, Monica, I think the point, and I'm with Key on this, and I don't think, like, we've talked about this already early in the show, and I'm still trying to, this is not about, like, the fans and the energy. This is about what we learned about the Nets. What we learned about the Nets is, like, Bottom like they line, don't get, like, like they don't get like caught up that. in that. Like, you can't. You can't use momentum against them. We all agree on that. They're that good. But I'm saying for a team like Milwaukee, any team really, especially the way that they started this series, they need every little piece of juice that they can get. Yeah. So what, does that say? Wait, 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 what does that yeah. say, though? See, it that's says my that the point. Nets are very good. No, we not agree. only that, but the Bucks are not the team we, we thought they'd be agree, in this a, series. Like, we thought this would be a really good series, and it would be like, wow, this might be the best series of the playoffs because the Bucks are that team that looks like they have the length and the defense and the three-point shooting. They should be built for this. And they they needed a crowd to get them into a game, and then the rest of the game they hung on to win. Like, I, 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 I think we've learned more about the Bucks than we thought, but we also learned that. Well, we learned are, about the Bucks in the first two games. Like we knew that. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> that's we not what that. we were expecting. Okay, it sounds like we're all saying the same thing. All I'm saying is whatever the Bucks got to do so that they don't get their butt kicked, forty nine point deficits over the course of the game, then do that. It still is not going to be enough. We agree that the Nets are maybe the best so, team. maybe so. But but Ky- you know, and Kyrie after the game said it, which again I think we're all saying the same thing. It's like that we knew the Nets would come back. Mm-hmm. That deficit was the concern, but you know, it, it like he basically said it, it was great that they can make that comeback as we know. But obviously in this game it wasn't enough. You know, in any NBA basketball game or any competitive field, you start off down, you're gonna have to cl- climb your way back out of a hole. Otherwise, the game could go from 21 to 31 um, in a matter of a. Uh, you know, five minutes, six minutes. So for us to climb back in it and, and give ourselves a chance down the stretch, you know, we're proud of our guys. But obviously there's no moral victories when you lose in a situation like this. No moral victories, of course. But still, if you're the Nets and you lose by three on some couple of late possessions that weren't great, the Bucks did have to play harder. They did. PJ, the, the, the P.J. Tucker KD 
element was kind of entertaining because you know they know each other well they, they they have a good relationship and yet pj tucker was like all right this this we're not friends right now because i'm facing elimination like, like we lose this game we're done i've got to give it all i have against you i wonder if you ever had like with, with any corners that you were like friends with but when you played in a game that friends thing was put aside but you understood that most of the corners that i play with it the ones that come on the show whether it's been pat certain or or, or ty law any of those we're all charles woodson we're all cool friends or whatnot and we got it when we step onto the aaron glenn who was a teammate of mine mm-hmm. good friend but also an opponent um when we they stepped got onto the like it court. got net like they were in That's each other's face oh yeah no i'm going it's hard yeah, to believe sure. like these guys are friends yeah. oh no i'm i was gonna talk that noise no question about it come on get i, I feel like it's almost more fun competing against your friends yeah, I'm gonna bust you for sure. You already know because I, I know who you it. are. Yeah, I know who you are. You know, you, I know who you are. I'm gonna get you. That is tremendous. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance with more than 30 unique coverage options available. Progressive knows small business. Learn more progressivecommercial.com. Oh yes, back to Spider Tech and <laughs> baseball and the latest scandal as we discuss it right now with Kevin Millar from. MLB Network, the World Series champ, joins us right now on the Goodyear Hotline. Kevin, good morning. So, Jacob DeGrom. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. So, so Jacob DeGrom pitches tonight. Garrett Cole got caught up in it. His, people naming names, and they name him as he's one of the best pitchers <laughs> in the game. But I find it interesting that DeGrom's the one guy that, and as great as he's pitching, his ERA is minuscule. He's having one of the great pitching seasons uh, we've seen in, in 50 years. And no one will say anything about him. That speaks volumes not only about how good he really is, but also the respect that he has earned around yeah. the league. Yeah, it's funny because when you talk about, you know, everybody always asks, like, who's the nastiest pitcher? Who's the one guy you don't want to face? And active guys, Jacob DeGrom comes out immediately. Jake Arietta and I live down the road from each other here in Austin, Texas. And even Jake, being a pitcher, he said there's one guy I do not want to face. It just comes out of his hand different. The ball explodes, and he, and he pitches like an athlete. You know, he was a shortstop. He could swing the bat. You could tell guys that, you know, are tremendous athletes. And Jacob DeGrom, my goodness gracious, that's a different level. It almost reminds me of the Pedro Martinez when he was dominating in that prime back in 99, 2000. But the ball just came out different. And that fastball hit, you know, Jacob DeGrom's fastball, 98 to 101, plays a whole nother ball game. Kevin, who is the one guy for you that you didn't want to face? I'm going to be honest with you now. Randy Johnson, mm. in his prime, he was ugly, he was tall, <laughs> and his release point was just a different level. I mean, because when you're six foot ten, I mean, it's always, you know, they're already on a mound. So now they look like the Empire State Building. Yeah. And then he had that little, you know, that little goatee at the bottom of that bottom lip, and he'd kind of sit there with that, that, that glove over his his nose, and he had that wristband that said Big 51 on it. But he threw 100 with a slider. And when I tell you a slider, you would read it middle. You know, people are like, how do you swing at that? That ball almost hit you. I'm going to tell you why. Because you thought it was a fastball, and you thought it was down the middle. And when a guy's throwing 100 miles an hour at six foot ten, you, you have to gamble and you have to cheat at times. And so you, you go to cheat for the heater, and that, that slider comes that back right, Ankle, yeah. Randy Johnson was as tough as there was, and it was just the way. It, 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 yeah, you had to gamble. 
What, what did you make of Pete Alonzo's comments that Major League Baseball is doctoring the ball so that they could, you know, play around with the contracts when the big-time free agents come up that are big hitters against these pitchers? It's too much, man. It's too much. And I love me some Pete Alonzo, the polar bear. I love everything about him. I love the energy and the smile. And the, but, but, but now we're starting to go in this, you know, and, and a lot, you know, Kijan, I mean, as players, we sit around the locker room and you kind of regurgitate what you hear. And it might be your agent. Or it might be this dude and that dude. And all of a sudden you start thinking of all these theories. And not, now we're not focused on, like, go play. You know, we're, we're in a generation now where, you know, players – they want to become famous before they're good. Mm. And I'm not, this isn't about Pete. This is just about this generation. Like, just go play the game. You know, let's not worry about all of these conspiracy theories and doctoring stuff and what's Major League Baseball doing behind the scenes for free agency. I mean, that, that's a little far-fetched in my opinion now. Uh, my last year was, you know, 2010 when I got released by the Cubs in spring training. So it's been a 10-year gap, but it's, it hasn't been like 30 years. And it was the stuff that we didn't worry about. We just played. You just played. You know, were, were guys putting stuff on the baseball back then? Yeah. I mean, I played with guys in teammates. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if that's going on. And free agency, I mean, there's still balls flying out of the yard. Yeah. There's still dudes, you know, driving the baseball. You know, you think Jesse Winkler for the Cincinnati Reds think there's a problem with the baseball? No. He's hitting 350. He's got 17 home runs. Life's good. But you've got a guy hitting, you know, buck 80. They're going to think of every excuse possible. And at the end of the day, you're looking in that mirror, the accountability is the word I always use. That's on me. That's on me. Nobody else. That's on me. I got to be better. All right. So, Kevin, you just said, you know, when you were doing your thing, by the way, just go play is one of my top five things old folks say. I'm not calling you old, but I'm just putting that out there. No, you did. Uh, you really did. But listen. In, in hey, don't worry. Answer, Kevin, she does it to hey, me every Han, day. Don't so. put more on it. Just, just relax. <laughs> don't, just relax. Kevin, in your answer, you said when you were playing, guys had a little bit of help. It's a thing now. Keyshawn asked about, obviously, the bigger picture here. But I guess the baseline for you as someone who did this for 12 seasons of the MLB, how big is this problem with this substance thing? Or do you think it's just kind of a hot topic in the media right now and it'll blow over? You know, it's funny. I spoke to players right now, active, that it's it's an issue because if we're getting into all of this spin rate and, you know, it's magnificent now, right? Now, I don't, I, I, I personally, you know, give me the information, he, but I still love watching the game of baseball. I'm not, I'm not into that spin rate. My eyeballs is, are, are what I'm afraid that we're losing mm-hmm. in, in the stuff. Like, as a manager, we saw the Blake Snell situation, you know, last year in the World Series. I mean, he's dominating the Dodgers. Here they are. I mean, he's striking out everybody. His stuff is electric. But yet we're scripted to get him out of there the third time around and 66 pitches, he walks off and everybody, you know, everybody, whether you're a baseball fan or not, you're like, how are they taking him out? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, the, the eyeballs, the eyeball test, he just struck out six dudes, Mookie Best, Justin Turner, Curtis Seager, two times each. And now he can't face him the third time around because premeditated, we've talked about what's going to happen. So when you're talking about the eye test, that's what we're losing. Now we're getting in the spin rate and why is that so high? Well, now, the due diligence behind the scenes, you've got some hitters that are maybe struggle bunny a little bit. Now they know teammates that are using this stuff. Well, then it goes around the league, and this is what goes on. So this little fire starts. I- I- I'll tell you this. What I think the issue is is that we throw out every baseball if it touches the grass. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's just a, a, a bounced curveball. And, yeah, there might be a little scuff, and a pitcher might not have used the scuff. But at the end of the day, it never bothered me because – 
you know, those baseballs are slick. And, you know, the first thing they do when they throw a new ball out, the glove goes under their arm and they rub it up. But that's straight for grip. And I know they got the Mississippi mud on it and all that stuff, but it's still you kind of put your own little, you know, your rub on it. Well, if there's a little grip test, great. I don't know this new spider, you know, whatever. I don't even know anything about that. But, you know, guys have hair products and they have gel or mousse, maybe a little pine tar somewhere around the, you know, the way. That's a lot of stuff for grip. Now, it just depends on what kind of pitcher you are and what do you need for the old Gaylord Perry, you know, Vaseline ball. That's out, that's out of the picture, I think. I mean, no one's into that anymore. It's like a wet bar of soap. Right now, we're talking about a lot of grip stuff. So, I just think it's a hot topic and, you know, guys are electric. It's amazing stuff. We're talking with Kevin Millar right now on the Goodyear Hotline. As, as basically, and here's the thing, you know, and, and I hear you, the passion comes through as you talk about your sport. It, and I feel like when we talk about baseball, as you mentioned, you have great stories that go on in the sport, yet most of the time the biggest topics about it that get the most attention are the Astros cheating and did the Red Sox also cheat and what about the Yankees and the you know the, the Apple Watch and you know it's always something like that and obviously the steroid era is always a big topic about that every time the Hall of Fame vote comes around instead of it being about its best players and what those guys like Mookie Betts yeah. you know and his his catch and throw out on, on a what would look like a routine tag up to go home from third what an amazing play that is. That's not the stuff that we are, are celebrating in the sport. But, Kevin, before we let you go, you mentioned athletes. You are certainly one of them. Uh, and if you, can, if you can play golf, then you're a great athlete. I've always felt that way. And yeah. I know you're preparing for the American Century Championship. you got to feel – this field, by the way, I'm looking at the names. We know Smoltz can play. Like, we know Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes. How does Charles Barkley get on this list? I still don't know. Tony Roman, we know, is really good. Uh, Theismann, Roger Clemens, Mulder. Tony Romo is the favorite right now by Caesars William Hill, by the way, at 3-2. Where do you, where do you put yourself in this field? Uh, I, I'm probably right in the middle of the pack. You know, I'm about a four or five handicap. Putting's the, the weirdest part about golf. And to me, it's a lucky aspect. You've got to re-agreen. You've got to have perfect speed. You've got to hit a 37-foot putt. It's going in here. And you remember in 216 or 217, when Spieth was like number one in the world, he made every 35-footer. I'm like, isn't there a little luck in that? But I, I put myself in the middle of the field. Uh, I love golf. It's the one thing when I got done playing, you try to pick it up and just it, it's challenging because you can't master it. You know, one day you're good, next day you go to bed and you, and, and you stink. Yeah. But this is a great – America Center does such a great job. And, and Tony Romo and John Smoltz and Mark Mulders and Marty Fishes, those are the favorites. They can golf. They move the golf ball like PGA. Then you got all of us playing Tickle Bunny. That I'll think we can win it when we walk there. We got our new fresh shoes. I've got some off whites that I just sent in the custom cleats. So look out there. Now you come in hot, right? Outfit wise, until that first putt you missed, you're like, God, I stink. Yeah, yeah, that's usually the thing, right? Go up to that first tee looking like you know what you're doing, then hope everybody turns around when you swing. <laughs> that's all that matters. That's right. But putting is about touch, right? You know, I mean, they're, they're, it's like the infield. They're, they got the shift on, they're giving you the third base, just bunt it down there, just, just, put, it, just put it in play. I mean, that's all it takes, right? right? That's right. Hey, Kevin, great great to talk to you. Thanks so much for the perspective, as always, and, and good luck. Hey, I appreciate y'all. You have a good job. Okay. Right, Kevin Millar. I mean, golf. That's the story of it. He look, at least he looked the part. You want to look the part. Oh, he will, too. He's got, some, he's got swag. Yeah, you, could, you, you walk out there and you act like you know where you're going mm-hmm. and what you're doing. Then you distract people right before you're about to swing. What's that going on over there? Swing. Oh, no, I already swam. Or, yeah, I'll, I'll get it. It's down it's there. Like, it's a commercial that the guy's like, uh, who's counting? And he's like, that's the whole point of golf. And yeah. that commercial's hilarious. You don't, yeah, you don't want to count. But Tony Romo, 
He's a golfer. That's his, that's but he's his, a good yeah, athlete. Tony can play basketball, too. He's a good athlete. Yeah. Well, that's, Doesn't I, look like it, but he's a good athlete. You wouldn't think golf, oh, you, you have to be a really good I was, athlete. I was about to say you, exactly that. Because you, you, what do you picture when you think of golfers? I mean, just like. Old men, no, out of I, shape. I, I wasn't going to say any of those things. Thanks for putting words in my mouth. No, okay. I was going to say very um, disciplined movement. Swing, stance, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, it, golf is hard. Listen, it's, it's I'm a, a hard hot mess sport. at the golf range. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Mess. Patience. I'm not that. That's Gotta why be I patient. But no, golfers are not athletes. I'm just saying Tony Romo is a good athlete. But if you're an athlete, you can be a golfer because it really is yeah. athletic. Yeah, the certain swing. movements and things I, of that nature. Yeah, I, but athletes. Wait a consistency. Minute. Golf is athletic. Man, dudes, you yeah, oh, yeah. No, I said it's not. He it's said not. it is. Oh, no, no. No, if you're an body athlete. movements yeah. and things like that. If you're an athlete, you should be able, if you pick it up in time, you should be able to golf. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by attorneys Cordell and Cordell. <laughs> Fair divorce for men. Call 1-866-DADS-LAW. Coming up, so Perk is back. We'll see if he has another list and figure out who will be the next coach of the Celtics. That's coming up next. KJZ ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Are they in the series? To this song the, yesterday. I was going to play this that I love. This is a great song. Sorry. <laughs> You're not in college anymore. Listen. Monica's so happy. So, sometimes, you know, it's been a little playlist from, like, it's a little moment. Whatever. Don't be a hater. Nobody's hating. Continue. Third. She's Wilson, been Presented oh. by Progressive Insurance. <laughs> that is Monica McNutt. I'm Alan Hahn with Key. And we are back with Kendrick Perkins. Sitting with Monica Thirsttrap. It's, no, it's Mick Thirsty was her nickname. Yeah, Mick Thirsty. Hey. Perk, Perk, Perk. Her. Perk, don't so, listen to them. So, no, Perk, so Monica, as you know, was it's, a superstar at Georgetown. Oh I believe, as they tell me, the Hoyas PR people tell me, it is fourth all time. Patrick Ewing, number one. So, Perk, don't listen to them. Allen Iverson is number two as far as popularity. And then the third most popular basketball player ever at Georgetown, Monica McNutt. And her nickname, she said her teammates yeah, gave her, Perk, don't do that, was Perk. McThirsty. <laughs> And we're trying to figure out what the origin of that is. It's very literal, Perk. I was thirsty. I consumed lies, a lot lies, of water. Lies more lies. Don't, don't drop that lies. It was very literal. I would get my water bottle. It would be empty rather rapidly. Thirst That's trap. 
Whatever. <laughs> well, before, when we had you on it uh, in the previous hour, Perk. You came up with, and I love it. it was very just organic. You went, uh, he's on an all NBA. He is who he is team. And so with that, we were like, okay, who else is on this team? So we're trying to come up with some names that we would add to this team. You had Paul George on it. Do you have, mm-hmm. Did you come up with another, at least one more name that we can add to this team? Yeah, I, I got one more, and it's Giannis, right? And it's not – look, this list is not a bad list. I was just about to say This list bad. is not a bad list. It's it, it just it – just, they are who they are. Yeah. And when you look at Paul George, we keep expecting more. But we have to come to reality that this is who he is. The same with Giannis. We want him – to develop a jump shot consistently. We want him to have a skill set like a Kevin Durant or even have the the handles to be able to attack guys off the dribble. But he just don't, right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to accept these guys for who they are. And he is, they are who they are. So, this is two of the guys that are on my first team, All-NBA. <laughs> he is who he is. Do y'all have three others to fill in the blanks? Well, see, I, I do, but then I don't want to get caught in because I like these dudes, and I, I don't want to get caught in. Just say it. No, I ain't going to do it's that. Not, you just oh, come said on, it's not King. a bad thing. Come on, person. I know, but you know how people it's think. It's not a bad thing. Come on. it's not a bad thing. I got nah, Ben Simmons. I got King. Russell Westbrook. Who else? Okay. On that list. I'm okay. acting chicken right you now. You are. I'm surprised at you. Because I just you don't. You don't want that social media smoke, do you? That's what you're about. No, because uh. I don't feel like hearing all that noise, though. You know how it go, man. As soon as you say something, people go, ah. That's your job. You know, I, I know. <laughs> but Listen, I always hey, like the two guys uh, that I just named, Perk, are excellent at what they do. Russell Westbrook had a great year this year. I climbed mm-hmm. the rankings in terms of historic numbers that he put up. Ben Simmons is going to be mm. a difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. But he's another one. No jump shot. Everybody baby, wants him to be a three-point shooter. You are what you look at it, though. So, like AD, yeah, right. right? Even though AD won a championship and he helped us in a big way get to that championship, that was the reason we acquired him and gave up our whole team for him. But is he? Mm-hmm. Is, is it? What is it? Is, he is, is who, he, who is. he is? Is is that AD? Like, does he fall in that category, or does the championship take him no. out of that category? You 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 know why AD? The, the only reason that AD don't fall in that category is because. He's a generational talent. And why I say that is, on far as offensively, he might be the most skilled power forward that we have ever seen. I like like he's a he's a Kevin uh Kevin Garnett 2.0 in my uh eyes. Mm-hmm. The way that he's able to create and get shots off and things to that nature, his versatility on the offensive end. And he has shown us that he's able to elevate his game offensively, right? And take and take it to a lo- another level where he puts up Shaq and and and, and Will Chamberlain type numbers. That's what I talk about when he is who he is. Not what they do on the defensive side of things, but can you elevate your game offensively past surpassing expectations? I can't believe you put AD on that Wait, list, man. If that's the like list, I, if you really I put AD on that list, like, well, wow. I, I put him on there. I think, wow. uh, because I wouldn't have done that when I'm expecting him to down low. He want to shoot out wide, <laughs> and I, I know what that. you're trying to do as a Nick guy. I wouldn't have done that. It doesn't matter. We oh, got wow. a chip last Wait a year. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Those shots did not need to be fired. But wait, yeah, in terms of elevating in the moment, dang, does Russ belong on that list? Because I think Russ elevates in the moment. Oh man, I just needed to trend. See, I don't, oh, yeah. man. I don't oh, man, think Perk. Russ, Perk, I don't think Russ really belonged yeah, on the list. Not. He just hadn't had the opportunity outside of his OK, OK, OKC days so with y'all is that he never really had the opportunity to, to get back into oh. that championship type situation. No. That's why I wish he'd go to L.A. Right. No, I, 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 
No, I get I get that, but at the end of the day, I love Russ, right? I think he's one of the best point guards to ever do it. I think he's top five. I mean, a guy that, you know, averaged a triple-double for, for four consecutive seasons, you can't deny that. But what I'm saying offensively, what do everybody always constantly talk about when it comes to Russ? His what? His shooting ability, yeah, right? Sure. And we saw that in the playoffs, right? His shooting ability. And, and at the at the point where I was like, you know what? Russ is who he is. Like, he's probably not going to be a guy that's going to have a consistent uh, jump shot. He's not He's not a guy that's going to shoot 50% from the field. But he's a guy that's going to go out there and get you 21 rebounds. Yeah. He's a guy that's going to go out there and get you 20 assists. But that's – I mean, he is who he is. So, I'm looking at that. You know who somebody now that I think about it? Porzingis. Ooh. He is who he Porzingis is. Porzingis, that's uh, exactly who he is. He mm. just who he is. He ain't gonna, he ain't gonna never. <laughs> what is Sometimes he? Hold on. Can you can't just shoot that out there without telling me what he is? He I was, mean, tell he, me he, what is he? He was a, a manufactured hype machine when he played in New York. Had a couple good years in New York, and then they moved him to Dallas. And Ooh. Ooh. it you is make, what it is. Perk, Perk, I think he's second earlier. team. All he is. Who right? He is. I mean, he is. He's a first team guy. But I've got. Who is the first team guy? KP's a second team guy on that level, but but I got I got a name of a guy that might have been on this list in the past, but I would take him off this list this year, and that would be James Harden. Wouldn't James Harden be a guy Ooh. that you say is who he so is? He meaning now? high volume shoot. Wait, wait. In in Houston, high volume shooter did a lot of ISO, a lot of things himself, and couldn't get it done in the postseason. But then we see him with the Nets, and all of a sudden, there's a much different side of him. That we see a facilitator, willing passer, which he was always a willing passer, but he was so much ISO involved. Nah, where he now he's such a catalyst got- type player that I think he was able to elevate his game. Let me let Perk answer first. And I got a timeout when you finish, Perk. You can get your 20. <laughs> you, 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 you know what? You know what? I actually like that because James Harden did show us something differently this year, the way he was able to sacrifice and take a back seat. But then when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving went out, he elevated his game even more. It was a point of time this season for the first time. We were actually saying, I actually said that James Harden at one point of the season when he was healthy was the best player in the league. That's how phenomenal he was looking. That's how efficient he was. He was making guys around him better. So, I can see where you're going with that, Alan. Okay. I, I I could agree with you on that one. Right, he was on that list. He's not on there yeah. no more. Okay, yeah. but is his saving grace to get Uh-oh. off that <laughs> list that he's now in the postseason and on a team that's contending? Because like if if postseason comes into this equation, Russ has been deep into the postseason. It just hasn't necessarily worked out. We like Russ though. I know, but if if that you're you saying about Harden, saying? you still need to see something now, yeah, like. He's not playing right now. Regular season was fantastic. Giannis is on our list. He's had a terrific regular season over and over. Are mm. we sure Harden's off that list, or does well, Russ not belong on the list? Well, 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 you know what, Monica, that's a great point. And I think we 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 moving the goalposts too much. Okay, okay so fair. when we talk about he is, when we talk about he is who he is, I'm, I I want to talk about it and keep it strictly on guys. Right, that you you expect more out of for scoring wise, but they're not just they're, they're not going to give it to you. Right, okay. you think about Paul George. Everyone keeps saying, 
when is playoff P going to show up? When is, you know, when is he going to come out and have one of those Donovan Mitchell type performances or even Kawhi type performance? He hasn't had that, right? And then we talk about Giannis. Like, when is he going to develop a skill shed, uh, uh, consistent jump shot? He hasn't done that. Then we talk about Russ, right? Everybody said, well, man, with Russ, he got to knock down those 15-footers or he shot 28% from the three. This is just who they are. That That is not a bad thing. It's just who they are. We have to accept that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Perk, man, who the Celtics should hire as the head coach? Who should they go get? You, you know what? I, Key, to be honest, I, I'm lobbying for Sam Cassell. Mm-hmm. And here's why, right? Sam Cassell is a guy that not only won a championship in Boston, that I happen to be part of that team, okay? I ain't here to brag, but look, he won a championship in Boston. Hey, hey, he won a championship in Boston. He won two championships with uh, with the Rockets. He's played with Hall of Famers, and I'm getting to a point here. He's been a long-time assistant. He's coached all-star type players, Hall of Famer type players. And so when I say that is because – the Boston Celtics have two rising superstars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, okay? And what do you have to do? You have to bring a guy in there that's, that they're going to respect. You also have to bring a guy in there that the fan base is going to respect, all right? So that goes back to the point where he won the championship in Boston. Now with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, what can you – if you Jalen Brown, you Jason Tatum, and Sam Cassell walk in there and he's holding you accountable – what can you possibly tell Sam Cassell? Or, or can you ignore the information that he's giving you? No, because he's done it at an extremely high level. He's won. He's played with guys like Elijah Warren and Kevin Garnett. He's coached guys. He's been in the battles. And not only that, he's a guy that actually put up big numbers and performed on the biggest stage when the lights were bright. So at the end of the day, I think it's a perfect fit. They just have to give him a chance and give him a shot. I don't know why they would look over him. So why wouldn't they give him a shot, though, Perk? Why Why wouldn't they just say, you know what, that's the guy? I don't know. I mean, he's been getting looked over for the for the longest. I, I thought even when the Rockets job came up this past offseason that Sam Cassell, being the guy that was part of Clutch City, the great Rudy T., uh, never underestimate the heart of a champion. I thought he would get a look. The Rockets didn't even give him a, give him an interview, and it's 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 disturbing to me because I'm sitting up here saying this guy has paid his dues on uh, as a as a hooper, and now as an assistant, he's been he's been under Doc Rivers for a while. He coached John Wall and Bradley Beal in Washington, and I'm just like, why hasn't he got an opportunity? Why hasn't he got a fair shot? Why hasn't he even got an interview for one of these jobs? Perk, great stuff today. We appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... 
Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Just looking at the seaport right now, Key, is that those are pools? Is it where they put those like little tables. pools? I don't know. Set up or tables or what is that going on? I right saw now? him putting it up this morning. Well, that's morning. happening outside here in New York City. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn, Monica McNutt in with Key, and joining us right now on the Goodyear Hotline, one of our favorites, Paul Feinbaum from the Paul Feinbaum Show. Paul, good morning. Um, I want to get right to the proposal to the twelve-team. Uh, uh, college football a playoff this proposal that's out there right now six highest ranking conference champs six highest ranking other teams as decided by the cfp and i find the most interesting part of this that if you're notre dame you might want to stay in a conference right by the way this looks yeah alan i think notre dame uh for the first time in the history of 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 conversation about notre dame football uh, is the odd man looking out? I mean, how many times, if you go back to the 60s and 70s, uh, that did Notre Dame win a championship when they probably shouldn't have, but they won it because they were Notre Dame? This time, they, they really have been treated, in my mind, unfairly. And it's all because of, of what you said. They're not in a conference. I know people say, well, weren't they in one last year? Yes. Uh, before we get too deep into this, Notre Dame is in the ACC in every sport but college football and hockey, uh, basketball, everything else. So, and last year they did it on a one-off because of the pandemic. And, and now because they're not playing a conference championship game any longer because they're back to being an independent, they're being penalized. It's possible next year, not next year, but the year after next, Notre Dame has Clemson on, on the schedule. They play five ACC games a year and Ohio State. Those are arguably going to be two of the top three or four teams in the country. They, they could beat everyone on the schedule, be 12-0, and 0, best team in the country, mm-hmm. And have and get and land at number five, which just seems ridiculous. But uh, and, and I just think people at Notre Dame have to quit acting like it's you know you know Newt Rockney is still a coach, <laughs> and and say enough of this. Let's get into a conference and be like everyone else in college football. We we are not that special considering I think what it's been uh, 30, 33 years since they won a national championship. Paul, with that being said, though, is there any wiggle room? in this proposal to revisit it at a later date, because this is probably not going to take place to what 2023. Yeah, it, it will. It, it cannot start based on what the, the CFP is telling us until 23. It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. It could go even deeper depending on how the networks, which of course is ESPN uh, as the partner figure out, figure out how to, how to pay for all this. Um, I, yeah, there's always a little bit of room. And, and what, what we heard yesterday is going to be certified next week, but it will not be officially agreed upon until probably September. But remember something key, the, the, the group, the, the, the people that, that hired these, these, these commissioners and Jack Swarbrick that met yesterday and approved this are the same ones who are going to be uh, signing off on it. So in other words, they're going to agree to it. I mean, there may be a tweak or two, but I don't think there'll be anything significant. Do you think this is going to extend the season? I mean, how would they fit in this big of a playoff format and also have their normal season? Are we talking about starting earlier, going later? How's this going to work from what you know? 
Yeah, it, it is going. Uh, it's going to add uh, a lot of room. What we're going to see, I think, is a group uh, is a week zero. Remember, a couple of years ago, we had that where we, we pushed the season uh, in, into August. I think August twenty fourth was when Miami and Florida played. So yeah, I think they're going to do that, uh, and and it's also possible. Uh, remember all the the administrators who didn't want to expand because they were concerned about player safety. Well, if you end up in the first round. Uh, and having played a conference championship game, you will have played seven and go all the way to the championship game. You will have played 17 games. 17 games sounds rather familiar, doesn't it, Keyshawn, to the NFL? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, college football is, is, is very much becoming the NFL if you go all the way through. Uh, the season will begin in August, and it really won't end now till about January 17th, 18th. The only good news here is that December will be occupied as opposed to abandoning the the month of December to the NFL. College football will still be relevant. And it will also be helped by the NFL by the NFL extension of the season and the playoffs starting a little bit later because it, it it won't conflict as much in early January. But the CFP, which is a championship game, will still end up competing with probably at best the wild card weekend of the NFL, which is problematic. College football has always been professional sports. The difference is the players <laughs> wasn't getting the money directly from the university. Paul, what's going to happen to the bowl games, though? What, where, do, where do the bowl games fit into this mix? Well, the, the group yesterday is protecting the big bowl games. Uh, we thought uh, the first round's on campus. We thought the second round would be on campus, too. It's not going to be. Those will be in the traditional bowl games that we are used to. So the big bowl games are going to be okay. But, but Keyshawn, I think starting next year, there are, there are going to be 44 bowl games. I would say at least a third will go by the wayside. Many were already in trouble. Now, I'm not talking pandemic. I'm talking before the pandemic uh, because, you know, I, I know that there was a purpose behind the bowl games. I mean, they were great for the community, but they just can't be supported any longer. 44, that is amazing. Paul, we'll let you get to the dog. Thanks yeah, so much for the, the time. Dog, I appreciate man. you, man. <laughs> <laughs> he he is not a Notre Dame fan, I can tell you. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum with a good year hotline. Reminder, the NBA playoffs on ESPN Radio. I'll get to that in a moment. So coming up, we take it back to Sean McVay. Comments about his quarterback. Is he happy or is he mad at the media? Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.